All right, on this week's Primetime KC, we're going to go over the NBA playoffs. That thing is really heating up. A lot of good matchups. Uh, Kyrie has been quite the character so far. The Royals, uh, they're 10 games into their season. This will probably be posted after their 11th that they're playing right now. And then the NFL draft. Um, it is. This will probably be our last podcast before the draft. Maybe we'll pump one out before. No, we'll have one. We'll have we might, another one. We'll get one more out before. But still... It's very close. It's a week from today as we're recording this. So, it's, any loyal listeners is not looking good for Kent Swanson. I think Kent got too big over the past year. Uh, he won't come on. It's tough to hear. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and kick it off. And let's just start with the Royals. Um, as we're speaking right now, they're 5-5. Five and five. Uh, They started 2-0. They went on a five-game losing streak. Now they're on a three-game winning streak. Kind of a roller coaster of a season. What are your overall impressions so far of this team 10 games into the season? Um, oh, Josh, you can start if you want. Well, I mean, first two games, they were not pretty. I, I, I mean, they were good. A win's a win. The, the five-game losing streak, Caladrid was should have been fired. But these past three games that we won, it's like, okay, well, our bullpen's actually good. We're pitching good. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of this team, to be honest. That's um, not true. That's what wait, I. Wait. I, with it being just ten games in a year, I mean, I think the number one resounding thing, for my opinion, has to be that first and foremost, like who knows, like yeah. way too early. Uh, like I think two years ago or uh, three years ago, the Mariners were like nine and one at this point, and they ended the year with like the worst record in the American League or something like that, um, or close to the worst record. Um, Look, I think the one thing that concerns me the most is uh, the Royals for the past, like, five years have basically, like, um, not five years, but since 2019, have basically always said that these pitchers that they got were going to be, like, their saving grace. Um, And I am saying this after Daniel Lynch had a very nice outing last night and Chris Bubich had a solid outing on the weekend, but I think it's possible that those four big names that we hear could all be bad at pitching. Um, specifically, Singer, Lynch, Bubich, Coar, um, Brady Singer especially, like, where has he even been? Um, and when he did pitch, if I recall correct, he got absolutely rocked. Um, so that's just what concerns me mainly, is I would have liked to see maybe, maybe a little bit more, uh, like, breakthrough for at least one of those guys. And look, it's still I want to see is Bobby Witt Jr. I want him to actually break through and start hitting the ball. Well, he's then look, the problem with him is he's 21 years old. You guys were already freaking out about him on game three. Um, like, I don't think it's going to be a problem with him. It It's still extremely early. Not everyone does a Tommy Kwan or whatever his name is and pops up and rakes 400 to start their year. Um, but yeah, that's really the issue for me. I just think that there's... It's so hard for me to see this team getting good enough at pitching to contend anytime soon. That's really where my issue comes. And I agree oh, with I agree you. With that. But I do want to say, I honestly, and I know it's early in the season and it's a small sample size, but I honestly do believe that this team has potentially a top five bullpen this year. Just the amount of arms that they can pump out. You're talking about Stamont looks better than he ever has. Barlow looks good. Brent started off a little shaky, but he's been better. Amir Garrett has been, you know, solid in his, you know, appearances so far. And how about guys like Dylan Coleman and Colin Snyder, who have just come up this year and have been lights out in the bullpen. So I think, you know, in that aspect, potentially the starting pitching doesn't have to be um, dominant. And it doesn't even have to be, like, very good. It just has to be decent enough to get you to the fifth sixth inning in my opinion right now because this team is uh bullpen wise uh, just shutting guys down like last night um you know sixth seventh eighth ninth they didn't even allow a guy to get to second base so they've just been very consistent so far in that aspect and i think that's overall their best strength the, the that's the strength of the team right now is their bullpen which is very reminiscent of 2014-15 yeah. Um, if there's one thing I wanted to say that like really worries me, because I think you're right, the bullpen has 100% been the bright spot. Um, 
and especially you mentioned it at first, Josh Stama, like, who knows, his crappy time could come because he goes on these runs where we're like, holy crap, this guy's an amazing pitcher, and then he'll struggle a lot. Um, But he has been fantastic, um, and he's kind of pitched as well as he looks, if that makes any sense. Um, I... One thing I think that's been very disappointing, and it's still only 10 games once again, but Mondesi not doing really anything to open yeah. it off. Okay, is, I will say this too. is something we need to acknowledge. Um, Mondesi's actually played all 10 games somehow. Yeah, I mean, that's probably yeah. like 50% of the games he played last year. So. He played 26 games last year. So yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even yeah. wrong. I almost was right. Um, yeah, that's, you know, he has been pretty bad with the bat so far, but that's not you know, an anomaly in this lineup. And and to be completely fair, not that he's been good and I'm not excusing his performance, but typically April hitter or hit, yeah, hitters are behind pitchers and once it warms up in like mid May through the summer, mm-hmm. hitters get up in front of pitchers. And and that's just a league wide thing. Like you see a lot of guys with their batting yeah. averages low two hundreds right now, superstar players. So I'm I'm not like again, like John said, we're ten games in the season. I'm not going to panic um, about, you know, most hit. Now, Carlos Santana is a different situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was bad all of the second half of last year, and he's started off just horrible. Right where year. he left off. Yeah, so that's, yeah. A, that's a different situation. But, you know, guys like Bobby Witt and Mondesi, who, you know, don't have the prettiest batting average, and Merrifield, for that extent, that don't have the prettiest batting averages right now, I'm really not pressing the panic button on them. You know, April is, especially in Kansas City, I mean, have we played a game where it was over 70 degrees? Like, maybe one. It's been maybe cold one. weather, and it's been windy, and that's not good for hitting. So I'm not going to freak out about, you know, Mondesi yet. But, yeah, I mean, I would like to see him become more involved as well. Yeah. Um, I, will say, you... I will say a Go very ahead. bright spot so far, and, again, we're talking 10 games in, but Dozier looks really good. His bat mm-hmm. looks a lot better than it was last year. And it makes you think just how bad was his thumb injury a year ago. Yeah. Because he was just horrific at the plate a year ago. And so far this year, I mean, he looks way, he looks like 2019 Dozier right now. Yeah. And you want to hope that, I mean, yeah, God, I, Hunter Dozier was the one player going into this year that I was like fully out on, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) And I was fully out on Mondesi before like three weeks before the season started and then i was like oh he was so good when he came back for the end of 2020 and 2021 um see i think i think all of this just speaks to the fragility of baseball because i very well think in a month we could be talking about this in an entirely different light um oh yeah i mean one thing may is always their worst month it is the month from hell i don't know what it is Mm -hmm. But even when they are good, May just seems to always be a terrible month. Yeah, and it probably will be. One other person I want to give plaudits to, though, is Brad Keller because yeah. he has been very nice. Um, and I think he's also a kind of guy that you can really see, like, he's gotten better. I think he's gotten better from last year. Oh, I think yeah. that's probably undeniable. Like, the movement on his pitches, you you can tell with the naked eye that he is – probably the best version of himself we've seen, um, which I think is very nice to see because um, I think people also forget how young he is. Like, he's still, like, what, 26, 26, 27? 26. So, yeah, that's that's been nice to see for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, like, Brad Keller was, like, in 18, 19, and 20 pretty good. Like, that was one of our bright spots in those terrible years Mm -hmm. was Brad Keller. And then in 21, just, like, the wheels fall, they fell off. He was just, from opening day, terrible all season. Um, and so it's nice to see him kind of come back right now. And, I mean, it's two games in, but it's you're right. It kind of looks like the best version of Brad Keller that we've seen to this point, which is, like, he needs to, like, last year he got away from pitching to contact. This year he's kind of gotten back towards that. Last year he walked way too many guys. This year I think you're seeing he's going back to, you know, he's not a strikeout guy. He's relying on his defense and, you know, it just so happens Kansas City has a really good defense this year. So that's working out pretty well. Yeah. And this is something I talked to my dad about, too. I, I don't think there's anything nicer than having three shortstops in the infield. Isn't that yeah. just amazing? Yeah. Like, they're all so good. It's 
any I've never really felt uneasy with any play in our no. in our infield altogether. That has been so nice. I mean, you um, have two of the fastest guys in baseball and Bobby Witt and Mondesi on the left side. Mm-hmm. It is and then you got Nicky Lopez at second who should have honestly at least been nominated for a gold glove last year. I so I don't know if you if you saw Fangraphs like adjusted their fielding model for how they do it. Yeah. And basically like with that adjustment, Nicky Lopez was the twelfth most valuable player in all of baseball last year. <laughs> Not just at any oh position. Oh my gosh. He was the twelfth most valuable player in baseball. Which is hilarious um, because he was so I don't want to say bad, but he was bad his first two years in the majors. Oh, he, he was well, he couldn't get on base. Harder with, it's harder with a guy like him too that doesn't really like put a charge into the ball, you know? Yeah. Like when he's doing bad, it's like this guy's a little league hitter up there. <laughs> but um now that he's figured it out, it's been unbelievable. And I mean yeah. I honestly think he's been better than what like I know when Nicky Lopez came up, everyone was like calling for his name and all this and a lot of like like, I think Jeffrey Flanagan was one of them. Was like, this guy's good, but you know, you're probably looking at a ceiling 270 hitter. Um, and he broke through that last year, and yeah. I think he's poised well, to do okay, it again this year. Something that needs to be said, I think for sure, and something that I've realized with Nicky Lopez is he's starting to swing for the fences again. I don't know if you guys have realized that, but last year you kind of honed in and even came out and said. Yeah, in 2020, all I w- was trying to do was try to get home runs. And, I, and he realized last year that he just needed to get contact hits to get on base. From what we've seen in 10 games in him this year, I mean, I've seen a lot of deep fly balls. And it's like, that's great to see, but it's like, that's not what we are using Nicky Lopez for. I mean, he's still yeah. he's still coming he's still into the day. He's, he's coming into the day, he's still 11 for 30. Um, so, I mean, it's not like a huge problem. Um, obviously, he needs to hit contact more than power. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but he does I mean, yeah. have what? I'm just, yeah. I, I think he has three doubles this year already, which is um, you go back to 2020, which was a shortened season. But, you know, it was still a 60-game sample size, and he only had eight all of that entire season. So, you know, what I think. Four doubles pretty much over the year. I think he's, you know, especially Kaufman and his speed, if he just hits it into the gap, it doesn't even have to be towards the warning track. He's going to get a double. So, you know, I think, Nicky Lopez, you're, you kind of broke out last year, and I think, you know, Fangraft isn't entirely wrong with how valuable he is. I think, in all honesty, he's probably more valuable than Mondesi at this point, which is crazy just, yeah, to say. That's what I was going to say. Just think, if Mondesi didn't get hurt the day before opening day last year, Nicky Lopez would have never ha- had a breakout year. Yeah, he would have never yeah. had the roster. and. What's crazy is, I mean, everyone, including Nicky, knew that he had to be, you know, he was fighting for a roster spot last year. He was pretty bad in spring training last year, made the roster by default, and then just kicked ass. It was random as hell. And he started the year off so good, and I remember literally coming on here and being like, well, at least Nicky Lopez has been surprising, and like saying it in a complete sense, like that wouldn't last. Yeah. Um, But it did, Uh, and it's nice. It's like him and Michael A. Taylor. We were like, yeah, they're playing like MVP candidates right now. Like, this won't last very long. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Michael A. Taylor, we were right about at least. I mean, Michael A. Taylor started, like, his first 10 games, like, where we're at right now, he was probably mashing, like, 450 with, like, five home runs. And he probably finished, like, 230 with, like, eight home runs. (laughs) Yeah. So Yeah. He he really had a... Had a disproportionately good start to his season, didn't he? I mean, we went to opening day and he had, was it two home runs? No, it might have been one home run, two outfield assists, like four hits. And it was just like, what the hell? Like, where did we get this guy? And then he came back down to earth. But that's all right. Came back to Michael A. Taylor, but that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. Even then, you know, he won a gold glove. I mean, he's a hell of a defender, which is valuable here at Kaufman and, you know, that big outfield. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a pretty good recap so far of what the Royals have looked like. Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that unless you guys do. Just DFA Santana, literally. DFA Santana. Like, the band-aid off. DFA did, Santana and bring up MJ or Prado. I, don't I did care see which today. One and that's what I wanted to talk about is if you could only pick one prospect, who would you bring up? Because I think the answer is easy. I think it's Prado. Yeah, it I would think Prado. so as well, right? And is isn't there also a little bit of... Like, I know that people aren't extremely high on him, but we do have to talk about value here. 
getting Pasquantino regular at bats at AAA, I think, is something that the organization wants to do as well. So there's well, some more at bats the- are going to be stolen in AAA because they just sent Isbell down today. So that's right. Um, I'm surprised they sent him down over over Oliveras. I know Very we're, we're ten games into the season and Oliveras hasn't made the trip to Omaha. I'm surprised. But he also hasn't made the trip to the batter's box more than two times. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. but that's so hard, man. It's like when they're not batting regularly. Like I don't it's understand. Like you'd rather be in AAA. Yeah, it's hard yeah. because like that's and that's what I think. Like DH too. It's like when you're literally not in the game other than like two, three times a game. Like that's in that's a really tough spot to be in. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. And obviously, they sent Coar down like immediately this season. He should have never been on the roster. Well, he was just the 26th man because they you yeah. get 26 for the first three days, and, and then, then uh, Singer is in the bullpen, but he has thrown one. He's been an appeared. He's appeared in one game, now, and he got shelled. Yeah, he got absolutely. Well, the whole destroyed. the whole team got shelled that day. So. They did, but I mean, I don't know. It was and also Prado. I mean, again, it's early, but Prado in Omaha right now is batting one ninety six. So I don't think they're going to call him up. No, but I yeah. I will say, I mean, I'd rather have him over Santana right now. Oh yeah, I mean one ninety six. That's like a hundred points better than Santana. So. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it is what it is with the Royals. They they tend to take their time with their prospects, um, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're cheap and they don't want to pay them. But that is what it is. Anyways, um, so done with the Royals talk. And there really hasn't been a ton of storylines throughout the rest of the MLB to talk about. So we'll move on to the NBA playoffs. And, I mean, it's been pretty entertaining to this point. Nets-Celtics has been a very dramatic series. Uh but th- throughout the entire playoffs so far, what are your guys' takeaways? What is something that – what's a series that you guys are looking at? Uh, I just really... Okay. All right, John. Go ahead, go. Josh. I don't think Josh had anything just... to say. I just... Okay. I was just going to say I really want the Heat to lose because if they win, Jackson is going to be so annoying about it. Like, that has been the one thing I've been thinking about for the playoffs – and it's not like whenever the Kings Jackson. make the playoffs. Like, if you're going to think Jackson's annoying, if the Kings ever fucking make the playoffs, you'll never hear yeah. the end of it. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I don't even blame you, Josh. Like, if the Royals make the playoffs, you're not going to fucking hear the end of it from me or any of us. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where, yeah. like, obviously it's worse with the Kings, but that's kind of where it's at. But in Miami, I've been spoiled, and it's a championship or bust culture right now. And, yeah, this team is damn good, and John is right. If they do win... And- I am going to be annoying because the national fairness, media has just brushed them off all year. Yeah. In fairness to you, it's not that I don't want you to be happy. Like, I'm fine with the Miami Heat, but you have been tooting the Heat have been way better than everyone's been saying, Horn. And I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong, but at the same time, I don't want you to have the pleasure of being right. Look, so. I already <laughs> had the pleasure of being right on this in the bubble. Um when I That's said fair. all season, I was like, they can beat Milwaukee. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? And they did. Now, obviously, that I had no idea that a bubble was going to happen. But still. Uh, and Giannis was going to get hurt. Giannis got hurt when they were down 3-0. All right. It, no team's ever come back from that. So I don't really think that's an excuse. But anyways. Uh, yeah. No, I here, here's the thing. I don't even think the Heat are going to win the East, which is painful to say i think boston's the best team in the east right now but man am i gonna be heartbroken when the heat lose in the playoffs because this is like the I best, truly th- this is the best no, team I'm they've sorry. had since like the lebron years i truly think the boston celtics and then brooklyn Nets series is the eastern conference finals <laughs> i mean i don't know man like the way that the Brooklyn Nets roster is set up is if Kevin Durant and Kyrie don't have explosive nights every single night, they're going to lose because they have zero depth. So I just don't think Brooklyn, like I think Brooklyn's really good. And I think that if they were facing a team like, you know, the bulls or, you know, another team in the East that they might even win in the first round, like you're saying, like this is a very good first round matchup, but I don't think that they have the depth or the defense to beat Boston or Miami in a seven-game series. I I think that's fair. 
I think that the thing that's interesting about the Nets series is that, like, if they lose game three, it's over. It right? is over. 3-0, yeah. they're done. If they win game three, they have Simmons that's supposedly coming back game four. Which, I mean, look, whether Ben Simmons is an interesting figure, but I think you definitely have to at least admit it helps them. Um, Does it? That, it that, that's the that's question. Cause, and, and that's not even a dog on Ben Simmons. That's just like when there's a guy you've never played with before, ever, and you thrust him into a do-or-die game four. Like that and is. This is his first game since June yeah, of 2021. Like, I don't know. I it, agree with that. It could work. I do. But it is but not easy. I, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think it's a source of intrigue. Like I think there's a very good... And probably a, 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 at least 50% chance that the situation you've described occurs. Um, at the same time, he is a six foot ten NBA All Star. He is. So you gotta you gotta at least think about that. He brings defense to the team that needs the defense. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Defense and look, I mean playmaking. This is a guy yeah. who's. Hey, and this is the thing too. I'm not gonna be shocked if Ben Simmons is scoring 20 points a game. And just hear me out. I don't know. Did you guys watch last night's game? Yeah. I did, actually. Yes. I watched. Did you see how Kitty, every single time he was getting the ball, he was getting double teamed? Yeah. yeah. He was getting hounded. I mean, Kyrie's yeah. going to, it's going to be the same way. They're going to go yeah. to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to be able to drive to the paint. Like, I'm telling you, I think, I agree with John. I think if you can get to game four, not down three nothing, like, this is a team, this will actually become a good series. But I will say, if you go to game four and you're down 3-0, don't bring Ben Simmons back. Just come back next year. See, that's what I was going to say, is if they win game three, I doubt Ben Simmons even comes back this series at all, just because nobody's ever come back from down 3-0. And, like, let's also put this into perspective. Boston is the number one defense in the NBA, like, in every metric. So it wouldn't be just as easy as, like, oh, well, now they can't double KD and Kyrie. That team is clearly good enough to account for a guy who can't, shoot outside of 10 feet from the basket. So I I don't think that Ben Simmons would wreck Boston in any way. He'd help Brooklyn, I think, in a playmaking and defensive aspect, like you said. But I don't know how you work him into the lineup with Kevin Durant and Kyrie when they've literally never played together. I don't care if they've practiced together. It is a completely different thing. You look at teams like the Heat that you know got LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. They struggled at first in the regular season because they just had never played together. And then you look at when LeBron went to Cleveland with Kyrie and Kevin Love. That team was 20-20 and 20 through their first 40 games. Like, it's not as easy as just like, here's some superstars, go win. Like, it's you've got to actually be on a center. You've got to have some sort of chemistry in order to win. And I agree. I think mainly that the biggest reason that I would say this can make a difference is that the margins for this series are already small. Like, it... If neither of these games was like, oh, Boston's better than Brooklyn. Like, maybe the second game you could say from just, like, what happened in the fourth quarter. But, like, it's it's a well-contested – I mean, these games have been uh, – both teams have had to come back um, mm-hmm. at some point in one of these games. Uh, obviously, Boston's won both of them. But mainly, I think this series is already so interesting that what happens with Simmons will be very, very interesting. Because, look, I don't think that you even look at it as a as a big three at this point. Like, I think he's just another player coming back. Now, whether you can do that with Ben Simmons, I don't know. But, I don't know. I'm very intrigued just to see how this goes down. But I also think it's just highly possible Boston wins game three and that's it. So Yeah, and then something, I mean, going on the other side, I mean, is Boston the team to, that everyone's going to go for? Because, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Devin Booker's out two to three weeks. Who knows if the Suns can even make it to the Western Conference Finals. I uh, I'm just not incre- too worried about the, the Jazz slash Mavericks. I am increasingly... Well, I mean, John, pass, the my, Mavericks might get Luka. Yeah, that would be different. And th- I will say the Mavs, since they've traded Porzingis, have been so much better just as a basketball team. Adding Dinwiddie yeah. was like... For some reason, it's working. Like, that didn't seem like... Like, it doesn't seem like Dinwiddie is even that an upgrade over Porzingis. But for some reason, their team has just been playing better basketball since Porzingis left. And, I mean, look. Utah's nothing special. But if Dallas can get past this series with Luka and Phoenix... I mean, look. I don't think it's bonkers to say that New Orleans could win this series. 
New Orleans, Williams, I, I, New Orleans is playing some great round, basketball. Fucking lose my shit. And no, like, I think it's bonkers to say that. If Book doesn't come back, I don't know. He's out two to three weeks. Like he's not coming back. Like I still would take Phoenix, you know, with my a gun to my head. But I don't think it's crazy to think New Orleans can take this to six or seven. I really don't. New Orleans is playing really good basketball right now. And I, it'd be hilarious, John. Could you imagine if like this gets to Game Four or Five, Zion comes back and wins this series? Oh, Josh would literally never be able to come on the podcast again. It won't happen. But if it did, I would literally just like that'd be the best moment of my basketball life. I would. Let's say Zion comes back. He tears his ACL. He's not coming back. But. You know, it is funny. It's just a funny. If the if the if the Pelicans make it around, though, like could he? Like I, I want to see Zion come back. So, oh my god! Yeah, I want to see Zion come back so bad. It would be hilarious. It would be if if Zion came back and they beat the Suns. Like I would probably <laughs> die from laughing. Like it would kill me from laughing because like at me. Yes, yes. at you, at you, one hundred percent. I mean, I will would, say up here at Northwest, there's a lot of Zion is a bus believers. Like I'm not the only one here. All right, so I can, well, people I can in Maryville, pu- Missouri, think Zion Williamson, the most insane athlete to ever be drafted in the NBA, is a bus. All right, I I, I feel like I'm welcomed up here. You know, I'm like on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, not in, this Zion take just will not be welcomed. It will not. He put up 28 points a game last year. Come on. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm not, what I was going to say is I think the Warriors are going to win the West. I don't really think it's particularly yes, close anymore. Yes, I agree. I don't think many people are saying that. I've had Celtics-Warriors. That's, since, I feel like that's like, the most likely finals right now. I I would still pick oh, Heat-Warriors. Hey, by but, the way, by the way, yeah. uh, we can check back on it. Uh-huh. Our NBA. Do you have the picture? Uh, I have Finals. I know and we have I the graphics. Have, I mean, we have defensive player of the year. Yeah, I have the graphic right now. You have the entire graphic? I know I got one right yeah. this year. I know I did. Which one did you get right? Six man. Tyler's going to win that. Oh. I know uh, I well, that we right. all didn't get defensive player of the year as John or Jackson and I both thought it was Giannis. John thought it was Trey Mann. Terrence Mann. <laughs> it should have been Giannis. I will stand by that. Um, But no, our finals are. Jackson, you, you had the Nets over the Nuggets in seven. <laughs> I had the Nets over the Lakers in five. And John had the Warriors over the Nets in six. John is Oop. the only one that's possibly going to have John a might have a chance. Our MVPs were, Jackson, you had Jason Tatum. I had Luka. John had Giannis. Rookie of the year, we all had Cade. Six man of the year, Jackson had Tyler Hero. I had Jordan Clarkson. John had Terrence Mann. <laughs> Defense player of the year was already said. Most improved player, uh, Jackson had Shea. <laughs> I had Colin, and John had Terrence Mann. Oh my God. Coach of the year, Jackson had Billy Donovan. Not a bad shout. I had Steve Nash, and John had Terrence Mann. No, he did not have Terrence Mann for coach <laughs> of the year. He had, he had Steve Kerr. <laughs> Terrence Mann. Which is even funnier. Um, because honestly, like, who's gonna win Coach of the Year? It's between the Celtics guy. Wait, is the Celtics guy in there? I know Spol. No, it's Spolstra. Uh, then it's the Grizzlies coach, and then I forget who the third guy is. Ooh, it's the Grizzlies coach. No, Spolstra. Lou got done so dirty. Spolstra got done so dirty. Over five hundred with so like. Duty. Dirty. You guys didn't even make the fucking playoffs. Bro, more, the Clippers didn't even get to, like, more than 50% of the Clippers' salary cap this year wasn't used. Oh, okay. Because it's, it okay. was on the bench. I figured out the other guy. It's Monty Williams of the Suns. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a case. Monty but... Williams. I was going to say, Williams has already been given coach of the year by some press associations. Yeah, I mean. I it's, stand by it. It's, it's Nobody on that list. I don't even win know. 42 games in the West. I don't know who the Cavs coach is, but. I would consider him for it, just for even being relevant this year. That but team. then you can put up the consideration for Ty Lue, which I don't agree with. I, okay, I well, think Ty Lue did a hell of a job this year as well, and I think that Clippers team is obviously in the playoffs if Paul George doesn't have the most Paul George moment and catches COVID in a do-or-die game. Um, put, put 60% of any of those teams' salary cap on the bench and put them in the West, 
and I guarantee you they lose less than 41 games. Or more than 41 so games. It's, this year's our Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies coach. Eric Spolstra, obviously I like the Taylor coach, Jenkins. And Monty Williams, the Suns coach. I mean, obviously I'm extremely biased, so I'm going to pick Eric Spolstra here. But I wouldn't I wouldn't mind to see any of them win. Who do you guys... They're all shit. Who do you guys... There's um, two guests that we need to get on this podcast. Who? One is Terrence Mann, and two is Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Yeah, they would both be like, why? <laughs> <We'd have laughs> they would not understand. It. Yes. Um, so between the – I think Jokic is going to win MVP. I'm pretty sure that already happened, like, from all the ballots that have been posted out. Yeah. Who do you guys think should have? Because I don't think it should have been Jokic. I think it should have been Bro, Giannis. No, I think it Jokic, been Embiid. Jokic I think it been was by far the best player in basketball this year. I don't like agree. whether you want to give it to the whether you want to give it to somebody else or not, who was the best player in basketball this year? Nikola Jokic. Giannis. Where do we think the Nuggets would have been if they had Jamal this year? I mean, much like, better. Or if your pussy boy Michael shit. Porter would have stayed healthy. The ones everyone's coming over right now, and not Golden State. But huh? What'd you say? I said they would probably be the team everyone would be coming over right now and yeah. not the Warriors. If they had Porter and Murray, they'd be really, really good. I love how but, you guys now start talking good about Porter when I've realized my whole life has been a lie. Well, He's a good basketball player. Yeah. He's just a bitch. We've, we've always known he's a good basketball player. We just know he's a pussy. And that's, a bitch. Yeah, we're never going to let that down. Um, but, yeah, I hey. – I will I can say, now it say is he un- never changed Mizzou basketball because it is now the yeah, Dennis he never did a goddamn thing yeah. for Mizzou basketball. He but sucks. Anyways, um, I think I think Jokic is by far and away the best center in basketball. Like I don't, I I know Embiid will go further in the postseason, but Jokic is by far the best center in basketball, and I think he's one of the best centers of all time. I will say that confidently. Even okay. regardless of MVP voting this year, I think he is. I don't think there's ever been a big man as versatile as him. Maybe Dirk, but even then. So, there's that. Uh, do we really think that the Grizzlies, uh, the Timberwolves can knock off the Grizzlies? Because I do. I picked the Timberwolves in seven. Yeah, they probably can. I mean, the Grizzlies, I think, are definitely not as good as their record dictates. Yeah. Um, that's well, basically the best thing I can put out with them. They're not much better than the Timberwolves. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we all said this coming in that, like, we liked Memphis, but young teams in the playoffs are tough to win with. They just Minnesota and Memphis will be the series of the first round. I think it goes all seven. I think that one will go all seven, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston and Brooklyn went seven coming in, but now it's kind of, I don't know. It depends on what happens in game three. I still wouldn't be surprised, though. I thought I tell you what the one that's really let me down is Philly and Toronto. I thought that series was going to be really good, and it's probably well, it's over. So. <laughs> it's probably because Scotty Barnes got hurt, and that really hindered the series. But okay. did their game not go to overtime last night? Though it did. It but did. Philly's up three zero now, so it's, it's over. Oh shit! Embiid hit an absolutely fucking crazy yeah, three-point three. buzzer beater. Someone said, "Like show that to somebody in like the 1960s, and they think he's like a fucking wizard." <laughs> like, like imagine yeah. a guy that tall hitting that shot, and... or just a or just a big man using his left hand, which is something Wilt Chamberlain did zero times in his entire career. But that's neither here nor there. Didn't have to. That's how bad it was. He just could do whatever he wanted. That's how bad the competition was. Did you see JJ Redick yesterday? Top five player, you're a clown. Did you see JJ Redick yesterday on first take? Where uh, that you know that dumbass they brought in that Mad Max or Mad Dog? Yeah, yeah. He he was trying to say some shit like Bob Cousy was like a top five point guard ever, and JJ Redick just said. He's like, he faced a bunch of firemen and plumbers. And Stephen A is like on a delay because he's not there. And he goes, that's true. That's true. And Matt was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. He's like, that era of basketball was so tough. I'm like, oh, my God. It no, was... I was watching that in like Christopher Russo's like top five teams of all time. Only like one of them won a title and none of them were like before nineteen eighty. Yeah, it was like the like, it was like the nineteen sixty bucks. It was like who the fuck was on the nineteen sixty? He had like the nineteen seventy something like seventy sixers that lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> like I literally could not like it it made me more retarded. 
Like, it is interesting. <laughs> Boy, retarded. It is unquestionably top two NBA teams of all time: the seventeen Warriors and the ninety six Bulls. I don't think there's a debate. Uh, that, that, in my opinion, are the best two basketball teams. Okay, ever. yeah the the seventeen Warriors, not the sixteen. No, Warriors, the sixteen right? Warriors are arguably top ten all time, but they're nowhere but near the seventeen. You or, you or just 18. can't say that they're as good as that that same team, no, but with Kevin like, Grant. You know you what I'm saying? And, like and people will be like, "Well, the sixteen team won seventy three games." Yeah, well, the and the seventeen like, team could have won fucking eighty two games if they wanted to. Like they just didn't. Like they didn't yeah. give a shit about the regular season, and that was evident because they got to the playoffs, didn't lose a game in the Western Conference playoffs, got up three zero in the NBA Finals and ended up losing Game 4 because Kyrie and LeBron went batshit, but still, gentlemen swept them. They're still tied yeah. for the best playoff record of all time with the 0-1 Lakers. Like, I, a team, in my opinion, is the best team of all time. And yeah. I, I know I'm a LeBron dick writer, so that fits my narrative, but I think it's true. I just think, like, nobody has ever faced a team that good in the Finals. Nope. Absolutely not. Uh, an honorable mention to the 18 Warriors as well. They're both damn good. I know <laughs> the only difference is the 18 Warriors probably shouldn't have made the finals. The Rockets probably should have beat them. That's the only Which thing. Which is hilarious. Like the Rockets, but... the Rockets did what the Bills did this past year where they like just built their entire team to beat one team. They didn't give a shit about beating anybody else but that one team. And it worked. And then farted until... it away in the last two Well, seconds. it worked. Yeah. And then Chris Paul became Chris Paul and got hurt in a big yeah. moment. And the... Rockets shot like what, like two of thirty from they three missed, in game. They three. missed twenty seven straight threes in game seven. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I don't even know that's how that's possible. That's basically the equivalent of playing prevent defense in general. If you've ever played prevent defense, you should be fired. But okay. that's just me. Well, that's not entirely well, true. But... I literally said it while it was happening. I was like, "Oh, they're running prevent." Okay, no, We've in that situation, but I like you're telling me, you're telling me like two seconds left, they have the ball at midfield. You're not playing prevent. Like, Hell no, dude! Not not thirteen seconds with. I'm not I said two seconds. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not giving it. Okay, well, I'm talking about the Bills game, dog. I know I'm that, but you said it. you said anybody that ever played okay, prevent. If you've ever ran prevent defense where the other team needs a field goal and they have time for two plays, then you're an idiot. Yeah, uh, that's that. And that's arguably that. not even the dumbest decision they made. Not squibbing it was easily the dumbest decision they made. Uh, dude, but yeah, whatever. They they gave up the same play twice to Travis or to the Chiefs. Way to go, dumbasses. You're idiots and uh, suck it. And sorry, and we fucking didn't capitalize off of it. Nope, nope. Okay, we've gone full. Uh, we've gone too, full off topic. Anyways, let's transition into football. We're going to the NFL draft, uh, which is the 28th, which is seven days from now, like we said. Chiefs have picks 29 and 30. Personally speaking, I hope they keep them. I just feel like they need to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk. I'm going to pull up a mock draft simulator and just simulate to pick 29 and tell you guys who's on the board. But what do you guys expect from the Chiefs' okay, draft? Okay, I just want to ask a question, though. Like, you want us to be – like, do you think on draft night the Chiefs will pick 29th and 30th or 28th and 29th, whatever it is? No, they are not picking 29 and 30. There's no way they do. I think they yeah. could. Or, I feel like it's highly unlikely. Like, or, even just on one hand, I saw a stat like how often a team is picked back to back in round one, and it like literally never happens. Like, I don't remember yeah, what rare. the. It's like an it's like almost a cosmic rarity, as yeah, crazy as that sounds. But um, but yeah, I think one thing that we have to talk about though. I am fine. Look, I think the Chiefs have to pick twice in the first round. I'm fine if they want to package later picks to move forward. Like, I think, I, on one hand, like, <laughs> uh, let me let me see how I can put this together. The, the wide receiver market, I think, is the wide receiver and edge markets are the ones that the Chiefs have to be looking for in the first round, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not a gigantic step from 28 into the teens, which would probably cost you... The, the the late second or early third, I think, or moving into the low twenties, which would cost you a fourth. Um, I think that both of those decisions would be fine. They they just have to know who they want. Like, the, let me let me specify this because I think you're getting the wrong impression here. I 
don't necessarily care if they pick 29 and 30. I just don't want them to trade those picks for a guy like Debo Samuel. I want them, if they're going to trade those picks, I want them to trade those picks to move up in the draft. Yeah, and if they want to trade, the other thing they can do is they can trade both those picks to get, like, an early pick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's an interesting prospect on its own. Because, look, I think the biggest issue that you have with edge rusher specifically, like, the thing I hear from this draft is that there's, like, three guys that are probably all going to be gone, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Um but in the event that one of those guys drops a little bit lower than expected, I wouldn't hate making a move for one of them, but that's just me. Even if it means that we have to sacrifice capital in the wide receiver area. But that is probably an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Josh? Josh, what? even here? What? Sorry, I was doing stuff. Okay. What? Just my thoughts on the draft. Little draft thoughts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know about your trade trading up and stuff. I don't know if I agree with that. If it's me, I'm not. I would trade for Debo. No. Why? You find yourself in the same predicament you found yourself in with Tyreek. You've got to pay. Yeah. Okay, but look, but look, Tyreek is 28. Debo's 26. If we give Debo the same deal we gave Ty- they gave Tyreek. That means Debo's contract will be done at 30. Debo will just start to be going on the downwards uh, decline. Tyreek at 32 will not be where he's at right now. How many years? In in all honesty, how many years do you think Debo Samuel wants on his contract? Four? At least four. Okay. Now, factor in, in that time span, you're going to need to pay Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Orlando Brown, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Legereus Sneed. Where the fuck do you get the money to do that when you pay Debo Samuel? I don't know. Don't. I'm not a you GM don't. for a reason. No. Exactly. That's it's the like- problem, I think, with trading for an established wide receiver. Like, I, It doesn't make sense to me because we got in this situation with loads of draft capital by trading away a wide receiver. Like... Unless we think that Tyreek Hill is, like, overrated, like, I guess is what you would have to be saying by that. Yeah. Which I personally don't think no. so. A move like that doesn't make a ton it of doesn't. sense to me. And it's not like, like, at that point, I would have rather kept Tyreek. Like, if we're going to do that, because at least Tyreek and Mahomes have chemistry and a connection already. Like, I'm not saying Debo wouldn't work here. He clearly would. But I'm just not in the market of paying. Yeah, let me ask you this. Would you be upset if the Chiefs did get Debo Samuel? It depends what they do. I'd be a little bit like, what the hell? It would be confusing. Like, I don't think yeah. that... It, and also, it would depend what they gave up. Obviously, when you have the draft capital... and 30. No. Fuck no. Fuck no. I'm not giving up two first-round picks for Debo Samuel. Hell no. They give up 30 and a third-round pick. That's more realistic. But the point is, like, if Devontae Adams was only worth one first-round pick and Tyreek Hill was only worth one first-round pick... There's no way in hell I'm giving up two first-round picks to get Debo Samuel. I'm sorry. I don't even care about the age factor. That's not happening. So it would only be, you know, in that it would have to be 30 or 29 isolated. And even then, like, it's not what you have to give up. It's what you have to pay him because you're not just giving up that pick. You're giving up guys like Legereus Sneed. You're giving up guys like Willie Gay. You're giving up key players on your roster because you won't have the money to afford those guys once you pay Debo. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that kind of the big... Like, to me, the biggest appeal of trading Tyreek Hill wasn't even the eight draft picks or whatever. Yeah, no, it was the cap space. It was the money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. And I mean, I think... Not, and I think we need to also put this into perspective. The Chiefs wide receiver room isn't a joke. Like, it's not like... No, it's it's above average. The Packers, on the other hand, should be all in on Debo Samuel. Like, they have fucking nobody. They have Sammy Watkins, who will be active for like six games. They have Alan Lazard, who's a wide receiver three at best, and 38-year-old Randall Cobb. Not really, but he's old as fuck. That's it. Like, if you're Green Bay and you have two first-round picks, and and it makes way more sense for them because Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old. They should be going in for Debo. Like, that's the team, in my opinion, that should do it. 
because they have the capital and they're in a win, like they have to win in the next two, three years situation. Kansas City has such a large window, I don't think it's worth doing. Yeah, but at the same time, when you talk about the Packers trading for Debo, you look at the same situation as the Chiefs because they also just dumped off a wide receiver because they didn't want to give him giant money. You're right, so, but but it's what I'm saying is Green Bay's window is very short right now. It's two, three years max. Kansas City's window is gigantic. It's another 10 years, another 11, 12 years, which is why I'm saying, look, you might just – you're not going to be good anyway after Debo. You know, you just got to go all in now. And I think that's kind of why I would support it from a Green Bay perspective more than a Kansas City perspective. And just the sense that Kansas City has talent at wide receiver in Green Bay doesn't. Yeah. I've yeah. also seen the yeah. Jets and I mean, Lions we'll are in see. on it. I don't. Okay, I'll say this. If, if we're the Chiefs and we're picking, I don't want a wide receiver. I'm sorry. At all? I just don't. I mean, not at all. I Here's the guys available. Is- Here's so I've simulated to pick 29. This is just from everybody else's picks, and this is who the best players available are. There's a guy named I know you guys won't know these guys like I do, but there's a guy named Bernard Raymond, who's a tackle from Central Michigan. He's nope. my best comp to him would probably be Eric Fisher. Not even just because they went to the same school; they're about the same. Uh, there's a guy named Sky Moore, who's kind of a shorter McCole Hardman. He's a wide receiver. Um, the guy that's really interesting and the Chiefs are really interested in apparently is a guy named George Pickens. He's a wide receiver from Georgia. Uh, missed a lot of What's last year. dude from Penn State? Uh, Jahan Dotson. He's yeah. an interesting prospect. Not a lot of people have a first-round grade on him, but he's good. Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Now, he is an interesting prospect. He is just fucking fast. Like, that dude is insane. I would be interested in bringing him in. Uh, there's a guy named Christian Watson from North Dakota State. I know small school guys aren't everybody's favorite, but he's really, really good. If you're looking for a second-round guy, could even argue, since you have two first-round picks, to take him at the end of the first. Pick, Pickens is the one that like would have been the number one wide receiver. In Pickens, class, yeah, Pickens was, before this year started, going to be a top-five pick. And he got hurt and only played in like the national championship game. So, and, But what the great thing about Pickens is, is he's like a possession receiver. So he's not really like a speed guy, kind of like a Julio type. And he blocks like a motherfucker, which like could go a long way. If you're looking to get, you know, if you're trying to, you know, go more towards the mold, which is like not just shooting for a big play every time, which seems to be what the chiefs are doing that to guys like that are valuable to John's point. um, The edge is very, very slim at 29. Nobody really worth a first round pick. There's a guy named Nick Benito out of Oklahoma who I personally really like. Not a lot of people like him. Um, PFF gave him a 90.5 grade last year, though. So, I mean, if you're interested in that shit. And then there's a guy uh, that was supposed to be a first-round pick named David Ajobu. I think you guys know who that is. Uh, uh-huh. Edge from Michigan, Torres Achilles. And, you know, if you that's kind of the leverage that's kind of the luxury of having two first round picks is if you want to spend one for the immediate and you want to take a chance on him for the future you could uh if you believe that he can come back and be effective but yeah i mean overall you guys i mean john and, and josh made good points 29 and 30 it's a weird spot to be in because really at this point you can still get good football players but it's kind of scarce it's like for and, what you really want yeah you gotta make a move like I, I I just cannot see the Chiefs picking both twenty nine and thirty. I either see them picking in the teens and giving a team our twenty nine and thirty, or trading back. I in I was gonna say that I love the prospect of trading back as well. If we want to, if you want to pick twenty or if you want to use pick twenty nine or thirty and you know trade the other one for a future like second or third, I'd be fine with that. That'd be that'd be cool with me because I mean at that point it's essentially a you know a shot in the dark anyway. Like it's a, it's a 30, like, I don't know. It's weird to pick back to back. Using one pick and trading back one pick. Like I've seen, um, what was it? I've seen, I've seen this done before. I know green Bay when they, I think they had, I forget what pick that I think they had 14 new Orleans gave them their first round pick that year and their next year's first round pick to move up from like 20 something. And then green Bay, 
And then Green Bay traded back up to 18 to get Jair Alexander. So there's a lot of shit the Chiefs can do here. Like, it's it's going to be an interesting process. This draft, like, I know this is pretty cliche to say, I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. Like, these, with there not being a quarterback that is, like, established, honestly, after the first pick, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. No, after the second pick, I have no idea. Well, I don't. Okay, is the first pick like gonna be somebody like who Aiden is... Hutchinson? Probably. Okay. Hutchinson, yeah. That's like. And he's most... an edge, right? Yeah, he's an edge, yeah. and he's a freak. Yeah. He's like a Bosa. And then this mock draft that they did that simulated has Sauce Amon Gardner, a corner, going. Uh, two okay, yeah, never mind. After one, I guess I have no idea. And like the betting, and it's not just like the betting odds have changed so much throughout this entire process. Like the I've seen the current uh, favorite to go number name? two is Trayvon Walker, also an edge from Georgia. Hyper. Kuiper has uh, um, Malik Willis. And that's that's the crazy thing is like this mock draft has Malik Willis going 16 to the Saints. Like it is a – and that probably won't happen just because teams get desperate for quarterback and they will do anything. But what – and also, you know, and I'm, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I kind of follow the draft a lot. So this is kind of my shit. There's so many teams with multiple first-round picks this year that it's going to be interesting. Houston has two. The Jets have two. The Giants have two. The Eagles have two. The Saints have two. The Packers have two. And the Chiefs have two. So there could be a lot of movement. Like they're, they're, Those teams are probably thinking the same shit we are right now. Like Let's package these and move up. So it, it's going to be an interesting process. Yep, it is. It is. Um, I did want to ask. Um. Mm-hmm. Assuming we pick eight times in the first four rounds, put yeah. distribute to each position how many times you think we pick it in those eight picks. I couldn't tell you. Take what, a guess. What was the question? Wait, like yeah. out of those eight picks, what eight positions will we pick? And you can wide say receiver, we pick a same. wide receiver, I, yeah. cornerback, edge. Okay. Oh, I was asking how many times. It okay, whatever. Maybe I would say pressure. I would say two wideouts. I'd say two wideouts, two corners, one offensive tackle. So what's that put me at five, and then probably edge, maybe D tackle, and then that like a safety, maybe like shit like that. But I'm mostly yeah. confident they're going edge and wide receiver and corner. Like those are the three positions that I'd be shocked if they didn't pick early rounds. That I would be mm-hmm. pretty stunned if they didn't do that. Um, yeah, and corner's an interesting one, too, because I feel like I've read a little bit that, like, it's, like, it wouldn't be terrible to take a corner at 29-30. Like, no. you can get value there, but that's generally maybe a little higher than you want to go for corners. Um, there are – this class has really, I think, three elite corners in it. There's – my favorite's Trent McDuffie from Washington. He's kind of a – uh, how how would I even describe him? He's kind of like a Chris Harris, you know, from the Broncos. He's kind of looks. He, he kind of reminds me of him. Then there's a guy named Sauce Gardner, which we just talked about, who is getting a lot of praise. And then there's a guy that's really interesting that I don't think could even potentially hey, fall. Uh, developing news. Okay. Dennis Gates has ringed the bat symbol again. Ooh. We need like a sound for that. We need like a. Or something. Dude, but know. there's a there's a high chance it could be for assistant coach. I think it is. Bro, he needs coach. to like start making it clear like what's what because like I don't want to get excited over an assistant coach. Like who gives a fuck? But that's <laughs> just me, I guess. Hey, no, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Although that one assistant coach he brought in from Florida State apparently is fucking important. What's that? Uh, yeah, no, he's fucking it. Like that's huge. Yeah, apparently like, that guy's. And then we got uh, Dicky Nut. Like that one might be my favorite movie. I was gonna make a season. shirt saying "I'll nut for Dicky." <laughs> that's just oh such a great God. name, Dicky Nut. Like, come on, that's how could you not root for that guy? Uh, but yeah, bat signal again. I I, I get Sorry, horny of those. I mean, you just have to say it when. It's oh coming. no, I get horny when I hear the bat, when I see the bat signal. It gets me excited. Uh, okay, I wanted of, to. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Because Just finish like one recruit in like three years. I, I wanted to ask one more draft question while we're at it. Go ahead. Um, is it even remotely possible that the Chiefs trade in or that the Chiefs manage to get like one of the big wide receiver names, i.e. Jameson Williams, uh, yes. Chris Olave? I think they could get Williams. Lose your mind over. 
I don't think they're going to get Williams. Williams has, from everything that I'm reading on, and you guys got to understand, like, I'm a fucking gigantic draft nerd. So this is like, we, we understand. I go into loopholes yeah, on this times. shit. But Jameson's value is apparently, because he's recovering so fast from his ACL injury, probably looking top 15. You're probably looking um, Philly, maybe. Apparently, the Chargers are really high on the guy. Um, yeah, there's just some real value there. I'd say the guy that you might be able to get, I wouldn't say it's impossible for Olave to drop. That's the guy that's kind of Mr. interesting. Olave. Who's the dude from USC? Oh, Drake London. Now, he is a guy that if he fell, it would be a no-brainer. Him, Olave, um, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams would all be no-brainers if they were to fall there. At I, 29, yeah. I just don't think they will. But, you know, if you get in a situation like 2020 where uh, one of those guys falls to, like, the early 20s, you could do a Vikings and trade up and get, like, they. that's what they did for Justin Jefferson. They traded up to go get him. They were, like, they traded up, like, seven, eight picks. You could do that. And you would probably wouldn't even have to give up a first to do it. Like, that's what's interesting is there's, you know, it's a very good wide receiver class. And I wouldn't even be mad if they stood pat and took a guy like George Pickens because the potential is probably still high like just like those other guys he just got hurt so yeah i mean then, god this, this is just like me being me but like i would love to see mahomes with like one of those big old targets oh yeah i, I mean, don't think he's really had one the whole time he's been here but a julio slash megatron type yeah. for patrick Mahomes is something that i would love to see the guy that i really <laughs> like in this class is garrett wilson but i I just don't think there's a chance in hell that he would ever even get yeah, near. Some people have him going to the Jets at four. <laughs> I do. That's what I have. I think I think the Jets either take him or Drake London at four. I think that's honestly one of those two guys will be there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of mocks have Jamison going to – what's this one? I'm just looking at Daniel Jeremiah. He's got Jamison going 10 to the Jets, so – that's a little. That's a little tough. And then they got Drake London, twelve to Minnesota. Fuck Minnesota. They don't need a wide receiver. Um, yeah. And then uh, Wilson, sixteen to the Saints. Olave, seventeen to the Chargers. It'd just be really tough. I think that if one fell, it would. It, yeah, I don't see it happening. I actually just don't see it happening, especially because of how bad this quarterback class is. Got position <laughs> groups are going to be taken higher. Yeah. God, and you know what horrifies me too is that the last two wide receiver classes I think have been amazing. Okay, I feel like this one could totally be boys for buses. Bus. This one's but. pretty good, and I think if you get to the like, that's something you could wait till the second round. Like Sky Moore, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, uh, Jahan Dotson, John Meachie the third, Christian Watson. These guys are guys that Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is a guy that's interesting. The problem is these guys don't meet the criteria you want, John. They're not big body guys. They're slot, except for Pickens. Mm -hmm. They're like little guys that go over the middle, which, you know, it's valuable, but we already kind of have that with McColl, you know, so I don't know. Yep. Um, so let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Let's go to D4 of the week. Um, I already have mine. I have this on my notes. I want this. I, I've been waiting for this. Okay, go okay. ahead. It has been a two-week hiatus, so give us your D4 of the week. Chicken salad. Chicken salad. Okay, so someone's been listening to part of my take. No. Okay, wow. If you really haven't, that's really ironic because they had a long debate about this yesterday. Is it? It's the USFL player. Oh, shit. That's why they had this debate. Yep, okay. Yep. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Maulers cut a dude because he he wanted pizza over chicken salad. I saw that. And so that, my D four of the week is chicken salad in the Pittsburgh Maulers of the USFL. That was so fucking what funny. That? What even is the USFL? US is the uh, United States. It's the United Spring Football League. Um, they started last week, and to be honest, it's not very good. But no, you know. it's us. They all play in Birmingham. Is it's it the like, one that like basically that like Terrell Owens was playing in? No, no, no. That's no, even worse. That's, that's the, the fan controlled, controlled football league. Fan controlled football. And that okay. one's more fun because the fans literally get to vote on which play they do, which I think is fucking awesome. Like that's funny as that hell. That is pretty funny. You could literally like <laughs> they can they can literally be like, like fourth and ten, and if they vote fullback dive, they have to fullback dive. Like it's fucking hilarious. Dude, 
And the thing I love about that too is like, imagine you lose on the last play and the, the play call is just shit. And like, who are the fans going to blame themselves? <laughs> that but, is fun. That, no, yeah. that is hella funny. Uh, yeah. And that, I think Johnny Menzel is in that league still. Uh, uh, sort of. Yeah. And Paxton Lynch is in the USFL and he absolutely shit the bed to show you how uh, bad he is. Thank gosh. God for Denver, man. Just thank God for John Elway. Because that was almost our nightmare to deal with. Uh, Jackson, you want to go second? Mine's like weird, so. Weird? Yeah. All right. Uh, mine is optimistic KU football fans. So if you looked at our Twitter over the last few days, um, there was a tweet from Dave Matter, and it was a quote from Drinkwit saying, Kansas still sucks. And I said, can't wait to 40-0 them in 2025. And someone said, what, what, let me find this, because it was just absolutely embarrassing. Someone started the poll under me and said, who will have a better football team in 2025? And they put Missouri and Kansas. Missouri had like 73% of the vote. He realized that he was getting cooked. And so under it, he responds, well, this is a Mizzou thread. I'm not surprised. Just like, and completely just admitting his fault. But then, anyways, I just get into this long debate with all of these people about how they're saying, like, by 2025, we're going to be on your level. And I'm like, look, the only SEC team that you could even dream of beating is Vanderbilt. And then people come in and say, calm down, you're Missouri, a hair away from Vandy. That was an Arkansas football fan. So I responded with the last six matchups with Arkansas. And I said, y'all beat us one time in our last six matchups. Not sure you have any room to diss. Never got a response from that. I think that that one kind of made too much sense for him. But yeah, overall, just like these Kansas fans are really, really excited. Like they are actually thinking they're going to be good at football. And it's it's kind of fucking pissing me off at this point. Like I need football to come around so they can be humbled. Because this they're like, oh, we're going to a bowl game this year. No, you're not. Okay. Like you I'll... had a few nice wins at the end of last year versus like a terrible Texas team. Like just shut the hell up. I also yeah. have another D4 of the week now. Yeah. It's Aaron Boone. Mm. He intentionally walked Miguel Cabrera when he was one hit away from 3,000 in the bottom of the eighth. What a dick, bro. Okay, was it at the Yankees, though? No. Nope. It was in Detroit. Oh. And it loaded up the bases, and the Tigers were winning by one. Like, Bro, not if you intentionally walk Miguel Cabrera Okay, was there an open age, base at first? Yes. Okay, then what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I get it, but it sucks. I will say, I have a second D4 of the week If the Yankees win this game, then I will D4, or Aaron Boone is no longer D4 of the week. The Yankees lose, Aaron Boone is D4 I think it's still the right decision to walk Miguel Cabrera. No, eighth inning, base open at first. I don't care who's up to bat. They're probably getting walked if they're worth a shit at hitting. Anyways, my D4 of the week is another, I have another one, and it's a walk. Joe Madden intentionally walking... Uh, was it Corey Seager with the bases loaded yeah. in the fourth fucking inning? Like Trout's face said it all. If you guys saw this, he was yeah, so Trout confi- literally was like, what the hell just happened? Like I know Joe Madden is like Mr. Like ahead of the curve analytic guy. Not that time. Not that time. He overthought himself that time. There is no reason to intentionally walk someone in the bottom of the fourth inning with the bases loaded. Unless it's Barry Bonds. Shit, even then, like the time that Barry Bonds got intentionally walked was the ninth when it was that when the team was up two. That's what was crazy. The Angels were already losing, and he intentionally walked in the run. And then yeah. it didn't even work because the next batter hit a gapper and they scored two more. So the strategy completely just backfired. But even then, like I saw like Jake Arietta tweeted out like if I was a pitcher and my manager told me to do that, I would just leave the game. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's so dumb, like, in the fourth inning to intentionally walk or run in. I, like, there is nobody in today's game that is that good. I'm sorry. Even Mike Trout, I'm not doing that. Like, I, I'm i not giving a free run to anybody. John, what's your right, D4 my, of the week? My D4 of the week is a major stretch, so bear with me. But it's whoever at the NBA is responsible for this type of thing – that hasn't been reading the Reddit, all right? Somebody made a post saying that <laughs> they wish that there were no injury reports and that players came back out of nowhere WWE style, all right? Now, just imagine Zion's coming back 
and um, or Zion's been hurt for a while, and the way that we know he's coming back is the commentators being like, "Is that Zion's music?" Oh, like tell me that wouldn't be the greatest thing ever. The NBA would be that's not improved. a deep forward. That's just a good idea. Yeah. Well, I didn't have anyone that particularly fucked up this week, so I, I do have an update. Forward. I do have an update. Um, after intentionally walking Miguel Cabrera, Austin Meadows hit a two-run single, so it didn't work. Um, yeah. Game's now three Boone, the Tigers. You are now my D4 it to the It did not work. Yeah, and with the base open at first, you usually walk a pretty good hitter to make I mean, it a double play. He's running away from 3,000. Who cares? You don't – you don't – Alvi, no. okay, let me say this. Alvi, let me say this. If you bought tickets to this game knowing he's two hits away, and you no, he was good one money. hit away. He was one hit away no, coming in. No. And you, no, and you this can't is so go stupid. This is so and you, stupid. And you couldn't Let me go flip tomorrow. it back to you with this. Let me flip it back to you with this. If if the, if this was the Royals and there was one out and it, Mike Matheny let Cabrera hit and then he ripped it in, you know how many people would be like, "You gotta set up the double play there." Oh, like there's they, two outs, dude. Okay, so you so you load the bases then. Whatever it is, like I'm I'm literally not here for acting like you should change your strategy because a dude is one hit away. There from was Astros fans booing Michael Brantley last night for bunting against Shohei Otani. Okay, and the fact game. that you brought that up immediately means that this this crusade makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like what what you want you want you literally are asking Aaron Boone to like change his strategy. Because a guy at the plate is one hit away from three thousand. What do you? He? It's not. He's not Roberto Clemente. He's not going to get on a plane to Puerto Rico tomorrow and never play another MLB game. True. He's going to be up there swinging again. It's going to be fine. Yeah, like I, I don't know what to tell you. I right, agree. We'll leave it there. I actually agree with John. Um, it yeah. sucks from a fan perspective. Don't get me wrong. Like I yeah. would have rather seen him be able to hit. But from a baseball perspective, from an actual like strategy perspective, yes, if, yeah. it's strategy if it's strategy, yes, I understand. Well, but what's from strategy? a baseball fan, but from a baseball fan, it was strategy. Okay, I well, newsflash: baseball has never ever been about fans. If it was, it wouldn't be the most fucking boring sport in America. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Here there. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Also, yeah. I think we should at least note on this before we end the podcast, Jay Wright steps down at Villanova, so now Coach K. That wasn't even the biggest news of the day. The, no. I didn't know the fucker was 60. I knew he was 60. I don't know how, but I did. Because Bill <laughs> Self is 60. And I was like, holy shit. But Jay yeah. Wright looked 50. I, I thought he had like 20 more years in the tank. Dude, I don't know how he's like, okay, maybe this is weird, and maybe NBA teams look at different things. But like, how has Jay Wright never gotten a chance at an NBA job? If he has already, well, me that that's the that's the conspiracy is that he might get the Lakers job. That's okay, the, okay, because he's quote retiring. That's just him being well, smooth about leaving Villanova. Yeah, he said they, he stepped down from Villanova. He didn't say he was retiring from coaching. So yeah, because my whole thing is like, if you are that freaking good in the NCAA and people are still hiring whoever the shit it is that they're hiring this year, because I'm sure it's terrible coaches. He probably should get a look, right? So good mm -hmm, for him mm -hmm. if he is. Also, um, the Royals' airless streak just came to an end. They had gone ten, and this was the eleventh game without committing an error, which was best in the MLB. Mondesi committed an error, but the next batter hit a double play, so it didn't matter. Call that an error because I was watching the game. Anyway, but, we'll, we'll talk about that after the pod. But, we'll, but just to we'll John's point, like, yeah, the amount of insane defense the Royals have to go that many games without committing an error is insane. Um, but yeah, I and think the Royals can... can't hit the ball again. Classic. No. And it's been a rough month for the hitters. That's, that's for damn sure. And Bobby Witt finally got on base and he walked and he got picked off first. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a tough month for the offense so far, but yeah, we're running a little long here. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up. We'll be back next week. An extensive draft breakdown I'm sure some moves will be made between now and then regarding the draft, so it'll be really entertaining. But other than that, this has been Primetime Kansas City, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.